movie junkies and cinephiles, it's time for the SLS cast with your hosts, Matt and Tim. And welcome, one and all, to episode 322 of the SLS Cast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is the reference of power episode of the SLS Cast because it turns out that uh, in the Skull and Bones Society, there is a reference of power, and it's a number. The number happens to be 322. And with that wonderful bit of mystical skull and bones knowledge, I, of course, am Matt. And coming to us all the way from sunny California would be our resident Sony employee, Tim! Or I should be called Riddled with Technology Issues Tim. Well, I was just gonna, I, I, I was just gonna say Frustrated Tim. Oh, well, I mean, that works too. I mean, I will take that. Timothus the Frustrated. Timothus the Frustrated did this i don't know do does the ithithesis and the athiasis translate over or transfer over into the the verb or whatever it is i think so i think i think it i think it adds an air of regality to the verb that you are in this particular instance see it's not just tim's frustrated right it's not just frustrated tim no 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 it is timothus the frustrated I'll take it. I think that'll really make my family <laughs> proud, knowing that I've become so famous for being frustrated that they put it on my gravestone. That'd be that'd be fantastic. <laughs> oh my gosh! So, other than being frustrated at your technology, which I can understand, I have been in your shoes, frustrated with the Skypeage and mic issues and what have you. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, and for those of you out there wondering why my audio might not sound as great, I mean, air quotes here, guys, on great, on how great my audio normally sounds, uh, it is because I'm having to record without our handy-dandy blue Yeti microphone, or is it Yeti blue microphone, or just blue microphone, why not? (laughs) Uh, I believe the brand is blue and the model is Yeti. There we go. So a blue Yeti microphone. This is why we don't do endorsements. <laughs> well, we did once. We we did once. And that turned out well, I guess. <laughs> the channel the channel's now defunct. Um it it's 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 not even the same channel anymore. But hey, <laughs> that's not our fault, hopefully. But nonetheless, Life, hurriedness, technology, everything has kind of got us a little bit behind the eight ball this evening. So do you want to just dive right in to our three squared, sir? Of course. Yes, we must. Maybe not an eight ball, though. I mean, I don't know. I didn't know you were doing crack (laughs) before recording. Well, I learned from the best. And if the best is John Belushi, then I guess that's where we're at. Anyway, (laughs) here we go, folks. It's... Thirty Square. All right, and again, our three squared this week is a no reservations, no holds barred. Pick any three movies you want, uh, that you would, if you could wave a magic wand and they would be remade 
um, to whatever specification you might desire, if any at all. Maybe you just want them remade and hopefully things would work out differently. And Tim, I know that I have ultimately copped out on this. And Tim's to the point where it's like he's letting me have this one as long as I never bring it up again. <laughs> Not just you. I'll let you have it as long as no other movie <laughs> podcast or talk show or whatever ever, 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 ever brings up this topic again. I I, I have no way to guarantee that for you, but I will do my I will do my level best to not bring it up in uh in a heartened or heightened discussion. I might make a joke here and there, and I can't promise that I won't talk about it with other people, but I'll do my best to not bring it up on SLS cast anymore. And what am I talking about? That's what you're wondering right now. I know that's what you're talking about or what you're thinking. And here's what I here's what I'm talking about, folks. The movies that I want remade. After all is said and done, after everything that has gone down, 20 years ago this year begins the saga of the Star Wars prequel trilogy. And of course, that is episode one, The Phantom Menace, which came out in 1999. We've got episode two, Attack of the Clones from 2002, and episode three, Revenge of the Sith from 2005. Now, things have been going on ad nauseum, yada, 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 whatever. And I'm not going to go into really all that much detail other than to say, yes, it's kind of a cop-out because it's an easy three movies to pick. But here's kind of where I'm at. I think that there's, no matter where you land on Star Wars as a whole, I think it's, I do believe that you have a substantial point of contention if you are not pleased with where Star Wars is today. And you're concerned about where it's heading. And I think that part of the reason, I think a great anchor around the weight of the Star Wars franchise is the prequel trilogy. I think that uh, so much of the work that had to be done to get people back onto the bandwagon for Episode Seven was due to the fact that we are dealing with coming back off of the prequel trilogy. And I think it also fed, ultimately fed into the issues we saw with episode eight, love it or hate it. Um, there are definitely flaws within it. And also the building up of just this ex ecstasy that happened when the star Wars franchise was finally wrested away from George Lucas, which then had Disney thinking, hey, we should have a Star Wars movie every year. And that is, as it turns out, a terrible idea. And a lot of that, I truly feel, rests on the shoulders of the prequel trilogy being as divisive as it was, being as poorly received in its longevity in its legacy. And I think that if those movies were remade with maybe not George Lucas directing or having fewer yes men or having uh, maybe even a, a, a smaller amount of time between the, between the two series, between the two trilogies, 
I think that we would have something completely different today. And I believe that on the whole, it would probably be better. Now, <clears throat> we can wish all day long, and that's not going to change. But that's not the point of this three squared. The point of this three squared is to simply choose movies that if we had our druthers would get remade. And that is where I land. So the Star Wars prequel trilogy. Again, episode one, Phantom Menace, 1999. Episode two, Attack of the Clones from 2002. And episode three, Revenge of the Sith from 2005. Tim, what are your choices, sir? So my three choices, I've been mulling over this three squared for for the past week, Matthew. And I, about three days ago, came up with my three and I thought, you know, I think I feel pretty secure with these three that I'll never forget them. And I went to a concert. I did other fun things over the past week. And I, of course, forgot my three picks up until about Four and a half minutes ago, I just quickly wrote them down and uh, pulled up some information about them. So I apologize for sounding a little bit rusty, but here we go. So my three picks for flicks that I believe deserve a remake. First up, the oldest of my three picks from 1927 is Fritz Lang's Metropolis, the two hour and 33 minute drama sci-fi movie released in the U.S. on March 13th in 1927. Um, it's a very famous movie. And I know what a lot of you are probably thinking, that, hey, it's a classic, why touch it? Because it is, in my opinion, one of the most quintessential sci-fi flicks. And I believe that Hollywood, modern Hollywood, they need a new sci-fi resurgence. And I'm talking about smart sci-fi. I'm not talking about current Star Wars. I'm not talking about current Star Trek. And Metropolis is one of the many great sci-fi flicks that came out before the 1950s. Fritz Lang's Metropolis is an absolute masterpiece. Everything from its setting to its characters, to even what the story is about. Uh, according to IMDb here, in a futuristic city sharply divided between the working class and the city planners, the son of the city's mastermind falls in love with a working class prophet who predicts the coming of a savior to mediate their differences. End quote. According to IMDb, it is number 109 on its top-rated movies scale. And even with the current political climate, I think a movie like this would make sense. And if we were to compare this to other films that have come out recently who might have took inspiration from Metropolis, one can consider that film to be Ex Machina, for example. And people loved Ex Machina, and Ex Machina is an incredibly smart sci-fi film, but it's a drama film. In Metropolis, it's a love story, it's politics, it's futuristic. There's so much wrapped up in this story. There's so many genres, but at its core, it's a juicy sci-fi flick, and I would love to see this film made. Not in the style of how they made it in the 1920s, but a little more modern with a lot of visual callbacks to the 1927 film. Because if you watch that film, a lot of the stuff you see currently used in modern society, that's how far ahead of its time 
Metropolis was. Number two, one of my all-time films of all time, one of my all-time films of all time, that made no sense, one of my favorite films of all time, from 1963, Stanley Kramer's comedic masterpiece, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. I feel a little bit ashamed I even have this on my list, but if you do recall, movie fans, about 17 years ago, 17, 18 years ago, they attempted a remake of It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World. It was a David Zucker film. I believe it was David Zucker. And it starred uh, Whoopi Goldberg, Rowan Atkinson, John Lovitz, Kathy Jimmy, John Cleese, and many, 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 many others. Amy Smart even had Smash Mouth in it at the very end, singing their famous song that came out three years before Rat Race was released, and that was All-Star. But the film is, of course, that I'm alluding to, Rat Race. Granted, Rat Race on its own is a very, very entertaining movie, but it doesn't capture the essence of It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. The zaniness, the lunacy of it, the stunts. This film was directed by Stanley Kramer. Stanley Kramer, up until this point, was known for his dramas, like Judgment at Nuremberg, On the Beach, The Defiant Ones from 1958. He's known for making pretty heavy flicks. And It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World is a crowd pleaser. And on a bet he made this film when somebody told him, I bet you couldn't make a comedy if your life depended on it. His life did not depend on it, and he actually made it. I would love to see this movie remade now. Not with the same exact characters, but there's a lot of things that date the film. What they could do nowadays is swap roles, swap genders of characters. You have Rebel Wilson, who's going to actually, she's going to be in the Dirty Rotten Scoundrels remake called The Hustle. She easily could be in this flick. You have a number of other comedic actors who would be fantastic in this film. I'm not talking about your Johnny Depp's. Even Seth Rogen. If Seth Rogen had no directing or producing credit on this film, I think he could be okay in it. I even think uh, 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 Seth MacFarlane would do a good job, but it has to be big, it has to be grandiose, and it cannot be on an indie budget. You know, it has to have a lot of studio oomph, a lot of backing behind it. So I would love to see It's a Mad, 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 Mad World receive that remake treatment. And then finally, this film is regarded as one of the greatest disappointments of all time, uh, especially in modern movie history. From 2013, Gore Verbinski's The Lone Ranger. I personally didn't think this film was awful. I thought it was shot beautifully. I thought the casting was well done in terms of Army Hammer's performance of John Reed, the Lone Ranger. The movie was just overstuffed. It was just bloated with too much pretentiousness from the director and probably even from the writers, and even with Johnny Depp's performance, even though I didn't mind him too much in this film. 
I think if they focus more on the Western aspect than the action spectacle aspect, maybe focus more on the characters and maybe the action was more honed in, a little bit lower key, you would have something very entertaining. You need something that appeals to the core of what made the Lone Ranger TV series so appealing to our fathers, our, our grandfathers even. And I remember watching some of the Lone Ranger on reruns back in the day. I think those reruns came on before like Gilligan's Island and the Bungaloos and you know, you just got to have that kind of heart with a Lone Ranger film that makes a kid want to go out and pretend they're a cowboy or pretend they're an Indian or, or Native American, you know, to go outside and play around with their imagination. That's what those old TV shows did so incredibly well. They inspired so many kids to do things with their imagination. And the 2013 movie did not do that. So I would like to see Metropolis from 1927. It's a mad, mad, mad world from 1963. And then finally, The Lone Ranger from 2013 be remade. I don't know, Matt, would you like to see another go at The Lone Ranger? You know, I think I would. I, I was disappointed that The Lone Ranger did not do as well. And and like you, I didn't hate it. Um, I, unfortunately, I was even trying to look it up while we were or while you were talking about it just now and unfortunately this was back before we were listing all of our scores so i don't actually know for sure what we gave it but i i want to say it was in the neighborhood of threes like between three and four somewhere um i'm guessing low between three and three and a half more than likely for both of us but it's not i don't think it's a i don't think it's a terrible movie and I am definitely sad. I think it was miscast and more on the more on Johnny Depp than anything else. You know, it's kind of crazy to think that if this movie came out now, how much shit Johnny Depp would have received for playing a Native American. I mean, he got a bunch of crap at the time, so he did. But think of it now, six years later. <laughs> Holy cow. All right. Well, there you go, folks. You have got our three squared for this week. Next week's bonus segment will be news. That's right. We're going to do some news for you next week. And I guess that brings us to the movies, does it not, sir? It does indeed. Then here we go, folks. It's the movie. <laughs> Alright, and this week's movies are Captain Marvel and How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. Where do you want to start, sir? Captain Marvel. Let's, uh, yeah. I'm down. Captain Marvel. So, Skrulls are the bad guys. And you're a Kree. A race of noble warriors. Heroes. Noble warrior heroes. Your life began the day it nearly ended. We found you. With no memory, we made you one of us. So you could live longer, stronger, superior. You were reborn. I keep having these memories. 
Something in my past is the key to all of this. You know how to fly this thing? We'll see. That's a yes or no question. Yes. Would you like to know what you really are? I think I had a life here. What aren't you telling me? You've come a long way. But you're not as strong as you think. This war is just the beginning. I'm not going to fight your war. I'm going to end it. Aren't you the cutest little thing? Aren't you cute? And what's your name, huh? Gary. What's I'll be back. All right. We got a 2019 American superhero film. And this, of course, is based on the Marvel Comics character of Carol Danvers, uh, one of the many iterations of Captain Marvel. Uh, as it turns out, Cap- uh, Marvel has to make a Captain Marvel comic or series at least once every other year or they lose the rights to the name. And so because they don't really know what to do with it, they just kind of keep rebooting it and just kind of – I, I want to say there's like six different iterations of Captain Marvel at this point. And that's kind of where we're at on this. And I suppose you could say that this is kind of like their answer – Marvel's answer to Superman, if you will, in terms of power set and what have you. So whatever. Uh, it's, uh, directed by Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, and of course stars, uh, Brie Larson, Samuel L. Jackson, Ben Mendelsohn, uh, Jimon uh, Honsu, Lee Pace, Lashana Lynch, Gemma Chan, Annette Benning, Clark, Greg, and Jude Law. And what we have here is a movie that actually takes place when I turned 18. Yes, folks, I'm so so old, so old, but it does. The movie actually takes place in June of 1995, and I would have been 18 that at that time. And so it immediately makes it a lot of fun for the soundtrack. Um, we have a uh, we're dealing with the Kree Empire, who's going up against the Scrolls, and they're trying to clean some stuff out. And then here we have. Um, Verse, who is Brie Larson, is going on her first mission. She's got these really cool powers, and the Supreme Intelligence and her friend, um, oh, what's her face? Uh, what's his face? Jude Law, Yon Rog, um, have basically like, hey, we've been training you for this stuff, uh, you know, your powers. We gave them to you. We can take them away, blah, 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 blah. Uh, she's got one of those little dampener things in the back of her neck, a la Thor Ragnarok. And she gets sent off, and uh, lo and behold, it's a, it's a trap, right? It's a trap! And then... She finds herself stuck on Earth or planet C-53, I think is what they call it in, in, in this movie. And she meets a, a very young Samuel L. Jackson or Nick Fury and Agent Coulson and proceeds to go on an adventure where they are tracking down, um, what they think will ultimately be Alien tech, 
that the Kree could use, or the uh, or the scrolls could use. Yada yada yada. All right, so um, uh, you know, the movie is a decent movie as far as it goes. I, I don't think there's anything super duper special about it. It's it's well paced. It has a lot of fun with the timeline in that we're now we're now truly able to understand how everything is going to come together for uh for Avengers Endgame next month. And so it was kind of cool to see that. I think they're starting to lean a little too hard into the digitizing of actors to make them look younger. I also think that they went with more makeup than CGI for Samuel L. Jackson. Or maybe they tried to do some weird combination because the problem is, is that even as of 1995, we kind of, we kind of have Samuel L. Jackson in the consciousness and the public consciousness at that point. You got to remember he's just by 1995. He's only two years out from Pulp Fiction, which was the role that like launched him into superstardom. People can, of course, still remember him from the Spike Lee movies. And it's just one of those things where you you know what he looks like. And so it's difficult to buy into the idea that what Samuel L. Jackson looks like in this movie is Samuel L. Jackson. And so it's it's stuff like that that kind of creates a minor distraction. Now, in terms of the acting and stuff, oh, no, it's great. I mean, you're, you're really kind of seeing what I, what I think is cool is that you're seeing Nick Fury as Nick Fury, but it's just a much more laid back version of Nick Fury because clearly he hasn't gone through 22, 23 years of crap yet. But you can still see that foundational stuff that makes up Nick Fury. So I think that the character work is really, really well done in that regard. I think even for the most part, um, you know, Brie Larson playing verse Carol, Captain Marvel, whatever you want to call her, um, does a decent job in terms of being a character that is amenable to rolling with the punches no matter what. But I think it also kind of, she, she rolls with the punches so well and is able to adapt so instantaneously, which sure, you can put that into the whole, Cree training she's had for ex for whatever time. But it makes it hard to buy into the bigger aspects of her character. She doesn't seem to struggle with as much as she should. Everything just kind of seems like, oh, well that was easy. I'll just get over it. So you've got this, you've got some really interesting balance issues going on with the film in that regard. Um, special effects are good. Like I said, story's interesting. Um, is it the best Marvel movie? No. Is it the worst Marvel movie? Absolutely not. Um, and I liked it well enough. I took the kids today. We went and saw it. The, the girls really liked it. Um, I give this one a 3.5. It's, it's likable enough. Decent flick. Nothing special. And there you go. What do you got there, Tim? Well, it's definitely not the feminist propaganda one may have been led on to believe by the many right-wing trolls who held it as such. 
I mean, leading up to this movie, that's all the crapple I kept hearing about on the radio. Not, well, not that I listen to right-wing propaganda on the radio, but I do hear people critiquing it and talking about it. And there was a lot of talk of people saying that, oh, you know, this is just feminist propaganda. All my listeners, don't go see Captain Marvel. Go see Alita Battle Angel instead because they're not trying to shove their agenda on you. Yada, yada, yada. It's like, all right, okay, what is what is Captain Marvel going to be about? And of course, of course, these sons of guns... <laughs> didn't even see Captain Marvel, and they're just being big, fat, ugly assholes about it. But what is the movie? Uh, the movie is a little bland. Brie Larson, I felt, was miscast. It was difficult, really, for me to tell what kind of person she was trying to play. For example, was she the snarky Tony Stark type of character? Because at times, she's a little snarky. Or is she the lost, you know, fish out of water type of character you know what we could maybe think of bruce banner being used to being at, at at some point when he's still trying to figure out who he is while becoming the hulk think of edward norton's the incredible hulk i think a lot of the characterizations issues with this film is that the movie doesn't happen in chronological order i think certain things should have happened in chronological order to build up her character you know so we know what she is fighting for herself, of course, but we as an audience, we as an audience don't know who she is. And there's only so much you can convey characterization-wise when they are being expressed through like these trailer montages. You know, when she's like standing up or doing something and it montages like throughout her childhood and her life and she's in the Air Force and yada, yada, yada. Okay, it would have been great to maybe see a lot of that stuff play out to get to know her struggles. The movie does hit you with, I mean, it's definitely not an agenda, but you are hit with some of the, the feminist aspects of the film. A lot of it is totally uncalled for and super forced. And my main example for that is the use of the music. You don't have to have constantly feminist music playing just to drive your point home. You can do this in many different ways, you know, like you, I get it, you know, you're in a restaurant, you're at a bar, and you're just going to randomly have Atlantis Morissette playing, okay? They're in a car, and then there's another who one may call a feminist performer, you know, singing one of her songs. It's all strategically just placed there, rather sloppily, I thought, for the sake of bringing that subject into light when it could have been handled through the characterization of Carol Danvers. Seeing her struggles getting beat by men and then overcoming those struggles by beating those men, proving to other people that she's better than them. But then at the end of the movie, she could then realize that really she only had to prove it to herself and screw everybody else. I think that would have been a better arc for her character. Because even Samuel L. Jackson, Nick Fury has a character arc. Even Ben Mendelsohn's bad guy-ish character has an arc. There's some really good character work being done, and none of it pertains to Carol Danvers. And I think that is... Definitely a shame. 
but other than that, I had a good time watching this movie. I thought it was an easy way to spend a couple hours. It fits nicely into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm not the biggest fan of Brie Larson in this movie. And there you have it. I'm giving this a 3.5 out of 5 as well. Again, you can nitpick this movie all you want, but the issues are blatantly in your face. As a whole, they take a backseat, and the movie itself is just an entertaining watch. Yeah, I am very glad nowadays that I don't really listen to much outside media anymore. I don't really watch news. Um, I try and read particular articles from varying websites. I might watch a particular news story on YouTube or something like that. And and it sounds to me like this is this is this was good because. I was starting to catch wind of all this, you know, feminist stuff and whatever, and um, and I did, and it was nice. I didn't have to deal with it. I didn't have to listen to it. I just went and saw a movie, and I think I think we need to remember that it's a movie. <laughs> so, yay! Anyhow, all right. Well, then that leaves us with how to train your dragon, the hidden world. This is Berk, son. It was the home of your grandparents and their grandparents before them. But now, there, beyond the edge of the world, lies the home of the dragons. And I believe it's your destiny to one day find this hidden world. You do know my leg isn't a chew toy, don't you? Is this what you want? Yeah, go get it. Uh, how am I supposed to get down? Hey, bud, wait up. He's not the only one. Another night fury. It's more like a bright A light fury. Yeah, yours is better, probably. Where the there is an armada with enough cages for all of our dragons. This is a new kind of enemy. We need to find the hidden world. I will destroy everything you love. Toothless, no! You're nothing without your dragon. If Grimmel succeeds, there won't be any dragons left. And it's up to us to put an end to it. So? What are you going to do about it? Suit up, gang. And here we have another 2019 American computer animated action fantasy film. And this, of course, is still kind of tied into the to the book series by Cressida Cowell. Say Krusty the Clown? <laughs> Cressida Cowell. Uh, this film is directed by Dean DeBlois. Or DeBlois? Yeah, DeBlois, I think. Uh, of course, stars Jay Baruchel, America Ferrera, Kate Blanchett, Craig Ferguson, and F. Abraham. And this is the this is supposed to be the end. This is the trilogy closer. It's the end of the story, the end of the saga, whatever. Um Yeah, Toothless finds a mate. Um some dragon hunter people are trying to go after uh Hiccup and and, and the town of Burke or the village of Burke. Uh shenanigans ensue. You know, it's it's a nice movie, y'all. It's a it has a nice. I really don't have a lot to say about this movie. It's a nice movie. It's animated decently. 
it's simple. It closes out the story. You'll be heartwarmed. Three. I liked it. Eh, I liked it. I can say I liked it. <laughs> the kids liked it. They did? They said they liked... Good. They, yeah, they, they said they liked Captain Marvel more, but they said they liked How to Train Your Dragon. So, I saw three, and that's all I have to say. It's a beautifully made movie, and I think it would have been more poignant and more moving if the supporting characters weren't so modern and dumb for the purpose of being modern, dumb characters. I'm not talking about having the dialogue be authentic to that time, but you don't always have to have these modern 2019 teenager jokes, you know, maybe not jokes, but or uh, anecdotes. I don't know. It, it just takes you out of this world, especially when they're trying to build this movie up to something sweet and memorable to cap off a well-made trilogy. I'm giving it a four out of five. It's a very good flick. I wish I had kids I could have taken to go see this movie. On top of it, it is one of the most impressive looking animated films probably all year we're not going to see anything that might at least from a mainstream american company we might not see anything else animated that's going to look this great so i'm giving it a four out of five Alrighty, well then that brings us to the end of the movies next week we're going to actually be doing a special special bonus segment instead of a movie segment we're going to be doing a creme de la crap and we're going to be covering the next movie in the andy sedaris series 1990s guns that's right folks it's a creme de la crap we're going to do that for the movie for next week. And I do believe that brings us to the spiel, does it not, sir? Spiel on. Oh, stewardess, I speak jive. Oh, good. He said that he's in great pain and he wants to know if you can help him. All right. Would you tell him to just relax and I'll be back as soon as I can with some medicine? Just hang loose, blood. She's going to catch up on the rebound on the med side. What it is, big mama. My mama raised no dummies. I duck her rap. Cut me some slack, Jack. Oh, say, cut it, Jack. Say, cut it, Jack. Say, cut it, Jack. Say, cut it, Jack. Chomp don't want to help. Chomp don't get the help. Say, can't hang. Say, seven up. Jive ass dude don't got no brains in it. Right, well, the music you've been listening to, as always, has been brought to us by our music partners, Cries of Solace. You can check them out at ReverbNation.com and Facebook.com, both slash Cries of Solace. As for us, we're, of course, the SLS Cast. You can find us at SLSCast.com. You can send us an email to the show at SLSCast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the SLS Cast. You can follow me. This is Matt on Twitter at NetTwit12345. You can, of course, come aboard the Information Superhighway and track down Tim on Twitter if that's your heart's desire. Don't forget, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes and or favorite us on Stitcher Radio, as well as track us down on the old SoundCloud and other podcast directories. If you'd like to support the show, we'd love to have you do that. Head on over to Patreon.com and check us out over there. And so until next week, this is Matt saying that thanks to America Ferreira, I get to say this. To me, the tragedy about this whole image-obsessed society is that young girls get so caught up in just achieving that they forget to realize that they have so much more to offer the world. Take care, cinephiles, and we'll talk at you again next week. Madam, perhaps we should be going. Oh, very well, monsieur. Thank you so much. So nice to see you. 
and I hope very much we will see you again very soon. Au revoir, monsieur. Thanks again for listening to the SLS Cast with your hosts, Matt and Tim. You can find us over at slscast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the SLS Cast. You can send us an email to the show at slscast.com. And of course, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes and or favorite us on Stitcher Radio. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>